Welcome to the Main Street Author Podcast, the place to discover how traditional business owners are leveraging the power of being a published author to grow their business. Get ready to discover practical and proven ways to enhance your reputation, build trust, and establish authority by authoring your own short, helpful book. On every episode, you'll hear from guest Main Street authors who have successfully authored, published, and leveraged their own book and want you to do the same. Now, here's your host of the Main Street Author Podcast, Mike Capuzzi. Welcome, everybody, to another insightful episode of the Main Street Author Podcast, the place to inspire business owners to author, publish, and leverage their own short, helpful books, or shooks as I call them. Today, I'm pleased to be able to have a conversation with startup executive and author Mark Hirschberg. Mark is the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. He's educated at MIT. He's spent his career launching and fixing new ventures at startups, Fortune 500s, and academia. He's developed new software languages, online marketplaces, new authentication systems, and tracked criminals and terrorists on the dark web. Mark, first of all, that's one of the most interesting backgrounds, so I'm going to get excited here now to dive into all that, but I want to welcome you to the Main Street Author Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today and share some tips with your listeners. Yeah, so, you know, I surely didn't do justice to your background. Um, It's extensive, but I'd love to hear more, Mark, about, you know, what, you know, where you've been, what you've done, and what you're doing today. I have this very interesting dual career because I started off as a software engineer in the 90s. Early on, I recognized that I wanted to become a CTO, a chief technology officer. And I realized that to do so, it wasn't just about being the best engineer. I had to develop other skills like leadership, communication, negotiating, all these skills no one ever taught me. And as I developed them in myself, I realized I wanted to train up my entire team. These skills help everyone. Now, as I was doing that, MIT, where I'd gone to school, had gotten feedback from companies saying, these are the skills companies want to hire, not just from MIT, but everywhere, all levels, all backgrounds, they want to see these same skills. So we create a program called the Career Success Accelerator at MIT. I helped put together that program I've been teaching there for 20 years. So I've had this parallel career where I've been building startup companies, traditional, here's a startup, small, let's make it bigger and exit it. But in parallel, I've been teaching at MIT, and that led to the book and speaking that I do now, in addition to the CTO work. Very interesting. And this is your first book. The Career Toolkit is your first book, correct? My first published book. I technically wrote one about 20 years ago (laughs) that I never published. I had interest from publishers, but I chose not to publish it. Yeah, I've heard stories like that uh, several times. But uh, again, congratulations, because it's relatively new, correct? Yes, came out at the time of this recording about one year ago. Okay. Did you self-publish or did you go with a a traditional publisher, hybrid publisher? I wound up self-publishing. Good. And I had a couple options. The reason I did that is I wanted a little more control on the timing and how the book came out. I also have my app and I knew that was going to scare traditional publishers. I think in the long term, they'll recognize the value of having the app. In the short term, it was very scary to them. And by the way, it looks great. I've checked it out uh, on Amazon and such and on your website and you know, nice job on that. So, Mark, I want to I go deeper into, you know, why you decide to, you know, invest the time, energy and money into, you know, writing and publishing this book. 
Um, so, you know, let's, let's go, let's start with that first. You're a busy guy. You've got an extensive background. Why a book? Yeah, there are a couple reasons, as I'm sure you've talked about in other shows, why people might write a book. It could be to give you authority and credibility. It could be to help you stand out. Could be used as a business card to help you close deals. In my case, I wasn't even intending to write a book. And in fact, there's a challenge because my main day job, the way I get most of my income is as a CTO. And that's very different than professional skill development. There's not a lot of overlap. It's not like I'm a divorce lawyer. Here's a book to read before you get divorced or maybe married. My two worlds don't have a lot of overlap. But I was spending a lot of time on planes for my primary job. And for years, I've said, we need to give our students notes. The, in, the class we do is very interactive. So they don't take a lot of notes. They're doing, not writing. So we should just give them some notes. And we also want to share this with other people beyond our class. We know it helps people universally. So as I'm spending all these times on planes, I thought, let me just start writing up notes. And I really thought I was writing 20 pages of notes. But 20 became 40, became 80. And at a certain point, I said, I think this is a book. And so I put it out. I didn't have any intention of this is going to drive business or lead anywhere. I just thought, you know what, this can help people. And I said from the start, I'd rather a million people read the book and I make no money than I get a million dollars, but no one actually reads the book. So let's talk about the book. And you've, you've said a lot of things that I want to unpack. So the career toolkit. Tell us a bit more about it. You just mentioned you wrote it for your students, but I'd love to hear more, you know, who it's for, like who should read this book? Because I have two girls in college right now, and I'm like, oh, I wonder if they should read this book. You know, what a reader will get out of it, and, you know, just go into those details if you don't mind. Sure. It, while inspired by the students, it's written for pretty much any white-collar worker of any age. It's better to get younger, and I often hear from readers in their 40s and 50s, I wish I had this 20 years ago. The book itself is 10 chapters and three sections. Section one has career information. So chapter one, creating and executing a career plan. Chapter two, working effectively, corporate culture, managing your manager. Chapter three, interviewing. Specifically, we focus on how to hire. There's lots of content on how to be a candidate. Very little on how to hire, but we do so much of it. Second section, leadership and management. So essential leadership skills, and then the basics of management, the project side of management, and the people side of management. And those skills, of course, apply not just to people in leadership or management roles, but they're skills all of us can use even as a junior person. And then the third section has four chapters, communication, networking, negotiation, and ethics. And each chapter has within it a mental shift to get you to think about this particular tool differently and then a number of tips to actually execute on it. So just for clarification, and I kind of already know the answer, but if a listener is either in school right now, in college, graduate school or whatever, or one of our listeners has kids or grandkids, uh, and they are choosing a white-collar path for their career, it sounds like this book would be a, a good choice for them to pick up and allow them to you know, read. Absolutely. We actually do a lot of sales right around April, May as a graduation gift. So I love that. I mean, I love the, the, the focus and having, you know, uh, 
I grew up in the software industry myself after an engineering career. So I took that white collar pathway and, you know, kind of just meandered my way. Uh, fortunately, I was, was part of a small company, a startup, if you will, that got very large, went public last year, finally, after I've been out of it 20 years. Uh, kept the stock, though. So uh, that's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting um, path. And you're right, you know, now there's more information nowadays with the Internet, but a, a book like this would have been, you know, a welcome gift for me, I know, years ago. I, I hear you, you didn't really necessarily write it, uh, you know, become famous or whatever. You, you know, you're an educator. Part of you is, you know, in education, helping folks. But I'd like to, Mark, dive a little bit deeper into what happened after you wrote it. That's, you know, was there anything that surprised you as far as now that you were a published author, any transformation or stories or anecdotes that you might have that I think our listeners would uh, appreciate? The millions of adoring fans that wow. I dream about each night. <laughs> I was about to say, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and that, I think, surprises a lot of authors. Now, I myself had pretty low expectations, but I have a lot of friends who are authors, traditional and self-published. And, of course, people think, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> I have my book. I post it on social media. I told my friends. It was interesting. My book came out last January. So right at the peak of the pandemic, I couldn't do a book launch party that I was really looking forward to. But we did do a Zoom launch party, which was nice because then friends from around the country and the world were able to join in. And you get that initial excitement. And what I hear from so many authors is they say, but, you know, I've been doing this for two or three months and my sales are declining. One thing I learned from having worked in the software industry, we know that good software with bad marketing loses out to mediocre software with good marketing. You can't just have a great product. In fact, we, we've seen throughout history, you think of the classic VHS versus Betamax and time and again, it's not the better technology, it's the better marketing that wins. If you do a book and your goal is to get the book out to lots of people for sales, as opposed to I have my book that I give out Again, when I'm meeting a client, that's my business card. But if you want to get those sales numbers, you have to put a lot of effort into marketing. I have put more time into marketing than into the creating the book. Now, in, in fairness, I do know when people ask me how long it took me to write it, it was four months, although I know I've been teaching it for 20 years. So the typing took four months. It was a little bigger. <laughs> but I have been continually marketing it for month after month, for going on a year now. As we spoke about earlier, I've been on over 250 podcasts because I just know I have to keep pushing, have to keep getting out there, and that's what's going to drive it. When you look at successful books, I mean like the top books, like a Chicken Soup for the Soul, they didn't have instant overnight success. And this is important to understand because we hear about those success stories. We hear about the lottery ticket winners we don't hear about the slow and steady worked hard for years and made it people. We hear about the startup companies that, you know, suddenly became hot. You don't hear about the ones that took 20 years to get to where they are. So it is off that slow and steady and it's month after month, year after year until finally you do get almost that lucky break and that ignites the flame that takes off. And so I know I just have to keep working at it. I don't think I really understood that before I wrote it, but 
in my research, I understood how important that was and leveraged my background knowing it from other fields. So it's just a constant grind. Thankfully, I enjoy it, but it's a grind to keep marketing. Yeah. I mean, listen, a, a, a book is an asset. It can become an asset for your business. Um, but like any asset, you know, you're right. It's typically not the overnight. Yes, there's some, but they're outliers, right? Listeners will be sick and tired of me saying this, Mark, but you, this may be the first time you've heard it. I always say writing the book's the easy part. It really is. For a lot, for the most part, it's the easy part. Because once you, it's done, then you're sitting there thinking, okay, now what? And I always say it's the, you know, this echoes what you just said. It's the consistent and persistent use and marketing that makes the difference. And what does that mean? Well, it means a lot of different things these days, social media, whatever, you know, there's different things. For example, I, I published a, a book which uh, has become a, an, you know, an Amazon number one bestseller in many business categories. It still pops in and out of it, number one a year and a half later, but I published it in 2020. One of the strategies I've used, which we just did last week, is we update it in some capacity, and then that allows us to put it back up on Amazon and put it in the notes. So it keeps it fresh. So when people are coming to Amazon for the first time and seeing it, they know this book is being you know, freshened up with you know, relevant content. But yeah, here a year and a half later, I'm still updating that book. Now, that's a strategy I use. A lot of folks just sort of write their book and are done with it. But I have found that to work, to work well. But I appreciate you, you know, kind of giving your viewpoint on that because it really is, you know, I, I, it, I cringe when I hear authors who don't realize the amount of effort that it takes to make their book, even if they're giving it away, Mark. I mean, you mentioned, I mean, I work with a lot of Main Street authors. They're not trying to sell their book, but they have boxes of them in their dental practice and they're not using them, for example. So, again, I appreciate that. So, I, again, I realize it's a little bit different with you, but... Can you tell me or give me a, maybe a high-level overview of how this book has impacted your business? You know, obviously, it's gotten you on 200 or maybe it's helped you get on 200 podcasts, which is amazing. That's awesome. Uh, and that's no small feat. But, you know, how are you using it to, you know, grow the business, if you will? Sure. Now, again, I'm a little unique in that I have two careers. It's not impacting what I think of as my day job, the CTO work. If I want to do that, I would have written a book on technical issues and how to build a tech organization or use the cloud. But what I've realized, what I've heard from many people, I knew this ahead of time, you don't write a book to make money. Maybe you get lucky, maybe you are a Stephen Covey or a JK Rowling, but don't count on it. And you do it typically either because you have a book inside you that you want to get out as I did, or because it's going to drive other things. As you mentioned, it's an asset. And so for a lot of people, that book is used to generate business, to find new clients, or to do speaking engagements. And in fact, if you use speaking engagements, you'll hear in the speaking community, oh, use your speaking engagements, whether or not you get paid for it, to drive new clients. And in fact, small businesses, books, and public speaking if you listen to the communities, whether you read up in their forums, whether you read blog posts, or you listen to podcasts and communities, you're going to hear the same people, the same experts going to each one and give the same advice, whether it's here's how to make your website attract more customers to here's how you can repurpose content to here's how you can craft a better message. 
but it's all the same idea that you have some offering and it's getting into the hands of people. So what I've done is I said, well, you know what? I have the book. I'm an experienced speaker. I've been speaking for years. I wasn't really getting paid for it. Why don't I start to get paid for it? Because that's a very easy leap. So I now have as a secondary revenue stream, I actually have been doing a number of paid speaking engagements. I've hit a little bit of a headwind starting this in 2021. There were a lot of things going on in the world. So I did a few in person in the, in the late summer and fall as we had the dip and then some virtual ones as well. Hopefully in 2022, that will open up more. But the book, really, if you're going to do speaking, the book helps give you credibility uh, that's very important in the speaking world. Absolutely. Now, I want to just jump back to your podcast guesting, because again, 200 podcast uh, interviews is, is pretty amazing. And uh, again, congratulations on that. Was that even before the book or is that since the book came out? That was all since the book wow. came out. Wow. I, when I realized I was doing the book, I met up with my friend Dory Clark. Dory is one of the top business authors in the U.S. I took her out to dinner and said, oh, I get some advice. I think I'm writing a book. One of the things she said to me is for her next book, and keep in mind, she's a Wall Street Journal best-selling author. She's had four prior books. Her fifth just came out, The Long Game. But what she said to me, was for my next book, I am going to go on at least 150 podcasts. Podcasts are really the way people try to sell books. Yes, buy Amazon ads or and use social media, but podcasts really drive things. And so when I heard she said 150, I said, okay, that's gonna be my goal as well. And once I figured out how to get on podcasts, it's easy, it takes me mere minutes to get connected to a podcast and get booked on. So now I can I can quickly add additional ones. So do you mind if we dive into that a little bit? Because a guest strategy for authors or people who are thinking about becoming an author, like you said, it's key. It's one of the most recommended things I tell my clients who I help with, uh, with their books. So a couple of questions there. This particular interview is not so much about the topic of the book. Um, it's about why you did it, right? But I, I would assume there's probably different categories of podcasts you find yourself on, or is it primarily for in the education space? Like what kind of podcasts have you been on, just out of curiosity? A broad range. Now, part of it's the nature of the book. I didn't just write a leadership book or just a networking book. I have 10 topics, so I can go on leadership podcasts, on networking, on negotiating, on anything related to careers. I can go on general podcasts. I can go on business podcasts. I've been on, there's a lot of entrepreneurial podcasts. Some of them say, oh, right, yeah, these skills help entrepreneurs. Others say, oh, career, that doesn't apply to an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's career skills and it does. They just don't change their job title. I've also hit up HR podcasts because I wanna sell this to, hey, company, you should buy my book and I have a whole free download of how to use my book. When you give it to all your employees, here's how to use it to train them up. So I can hit HR. I've hit education podcasts. I've hit parenting podcasts. As you know, you have daughters and lots of people with kids who are in college or high school, so I can hit those as well. I've even hit up some event podcasts, not because this relates that much to events, but I put out a blog post about what needs to change in the event world. 
and how that's going to change post COVID. And then I use that blog post to get me on some shows. Why do I go on event shows? Not to sell the books, but who listens to event podcasts, event planners. And those are the people I want to have book me. So it's all about thinking who is the audience you want? How do you deliver something of value to those people? Awesome. And again, sort of a left and field podcast. <laughs> um, left field question here, but again, I'm I'm a marketer at heart, so you have a lot of data there. So as a marketer, you appreciate data and, and real world results. Two hundred podcasts. Has it worked for you? Has it helped you? I mean, I love again any insight you can share there, just because I want you to inspire others. Like, hey, this is really smart. Hundred percent. I have not bought a single ad online. It's on my to-do list. No Amazon ads, no Google ads. The only things I do, I have my blog, and honestly, I don't have a lot of people doing the blog. I have my social media posts, which other than LinkedIn, which I've used for years, and I have thousands of connections there, but Facebook, for me as an author and as a personal user, and Twitter and Instagram, I set up those accounts last year or a little before when I was first starting out, I have only a couple hundred followers in each. So what's driving all my sales is going on podcasts. The thousands of books that I have sold have all come from podcasts. In fact, when my book first came out, so I had the, the spike that you get because everyone pre-orders and it comes out and Amazon promotes a little, and then you drop off. If you've ever looked at the Amazon hourly sales, I'm sure you have, and any published author has, you see amazing volatility. You're going up and down hundreds of thousands of places. But about a week later, my very first podcast came out, and then there was this big spike where all of a sudden someone bought. Now, realistically, we're talking about on an average podcast, the podcast itself might be driving two or three book sales. If you're lucky, maybe it's five or six, because when I'm going on podcasts, some of them have upwards of tens of users, tens of (laughs) listeners, others have upwards of tens of thousands. So there's a lot of variability, but what happens is you never know when getting on one leads to something else. And here's an example, I was on a podcast, a couple of weeks later, I had a call from university with a woman who said, we'd love to have you come speak. And they brought me in and they paid me significant money to come do that. So I look at the podcast not as, oh, I sold two more books. Because, of course, the time it takes for us to speak when you do your hourly wage, you go, wait a second. But they're each one of them, a lottery ticket leading to bulk corporate sales or speaking or a client or something else. Yeah, that, that exponential power, that's how I refer to it. You just don't know. The one thing you do know, Mark, and I know you probably agree with this, if you're not doing it, nothing going to happen. So, uh, you know, it, it, it takes effort. And, you know, for, for the most part, I think podcast guessing is pretty fun. I mean, yes, it's a half hour, 45 minutes out of your day, or depending like, you know, on this podcast. But um, you get to meet new people. And, and again, you just don't know that spiderweb effect. So if you're listening to this, and, and I've, I've actually interviewed a gentleman, his name's Tom Schwab. I don't know if you've come across him, but he wrote a book called... Uh, Podcast Guest Profits, I think it is. I interviewed him a year or so ago. Very good book. It's just about podcast guesting. Um, you're, you could probably write that book at this point. By the way, is there a, another uh, book from Mark Hirschberg uh, on the horizon or no? Yes, there is. I have about seven other potential books wow. that I've 
created in concept. There's one or two that are kind of the closer. This is what I think I'm doing next. Some of that, one of the options, by the way, take all the stuff I cut out of my current book that just didn't quite fit into the themes. I've got enough content that if it's cleaned up, I could probably say, here's another 60,000 words for another book. Needs, needs some work. So there's different directions I can go in, but I want to just spend a little more time focused on this book to drive these sales. Yeah. I do know sometimes a second book does drive sales of the first, but I still want to focus a little more effort on marketing this before I start going back into the writing and the process of the next book. Great insights, Mark. I appreciate all that. Love your insight on this. Someone's listening. They have yet to write that first book. What words of encouragement or advice would you give that person who, you know, you know, has a good book in their mind, just, you know, for whatever reason, it just hasn't happened yet? A few things. First, when you think about you're about to invest hundreds, possibly thousands of hours in doing this. So ask yourself when you're 30 years older and looking back, are you going to regret, I spent so much time doing this when I could have been outside doing other things? Or are you going to regret, boy, I wish I had written that book? I think for most people, it's the latter. Most authors would say, even so, I'm glad I wrote the book. So ask yourself that question and probably that's going to help drive you. Second, remember that you're not going to get an overnight success, but if you put in a little effort per day, writers talk about having that dedicated writing time. I didn't do that. That wasn't a challenge for me, the writing part. But for many, that's what helps them. Keep that same discipline and apply it to your marketing. Each day, what was your writing time is now your marketing time. Reaching out to podcasts, doing your social media. And then third, don't do it alone. Get other people. Find a community. Now, whether it's getting someone like yourself to help with the parts that they don't want to do, or finding writers groups, or joining some of the online writer communities, Find other people so you don't feel alone and isolated because it can be isolating work and during the down periods that can get to you, but having other people around, ideally all of the above, even if they get someone like you, join a writer's group as well. And that's going to help drive you forward. And you're going to learn from each other and help each other out. Very good. How about mistakes made or speed bumps you encountered that you're going to, you know, want to either warn someone about or you're not going to do them the next time around? Mistakes? I, I never made a mistake. <laughs> well, I was no, maybe it's a speed bump. <laughs> so one thing that got to me, I thought, I've been a CTO. I've run multi-million dollar projects. I've hired lots and lots of contractors. I've done creative type works where we've redone websites. So there's some creativity in there. Okay, I know project management. This is not the part that's going to trip me up. We hear a lot of authors say, I don't know the business side of it. I'm not good at that. Many of your listeners, of course, are business people. And you think, oh, okay, this part I've got. I can create the budget. I create the project plan. What tripped me up, I got my very first editor, and it was through a connection. I gave her the manuscript. I said, look it over, and what do you think? And she gave me a quote. And we went forth, and then she backed out a week later. And there's reasons why I won't go into it, but... There was something where I, she wanted to not do something that was on my checklist. I said, okay, that's fine. I think you're qualified anyway because you came through this network and your experience. And by not doing that, we missed a challenge about why she wouldn't be able to do this. So she backed out and I said, ooh, I need an editor. 
turns out editors don't grow on trees and the good ones get booked up ahead of time. So I'm scrambling. I had other editors flake on me. And so I lost months of time trying to find an editor. I eventually got a general contractor, solved the editing issue, got a general contractor because I said, I don't want to do this with the layout, with the indexing, with the cover. Let me get a company that can do all this for me. Uh, what And that came through a recommendation. Unfortunately, layout took us three months. Every time they would change the layout, I'd look and say, but now this doesn't work. And even in some cases, obvious things where in one case, for example, they took the, at the end of the chapter, you've got the white space, the maybe half a page that's blank. They miss the end of page. So the next chapter started there, including the giant wow. drop cap. Jeez. So if you just looked at the page, you go, why is there a giant drop yeah. cap in the middle of the page? This is a problem. They weren't being thorough in checking it. And I really had to double check every single thing they did. It took a lot of time, a lot more than I expected. So I think my hiring was not as good as I thought I could do, given my experience. And you really have to be on top of every little detail. It always comes back to you're the author, your name's on it. So yeah, you, you know, you're not going to be able to forego that responsibility. Well, Mark, listen, this has been great. I want to wrap up with uh, two final questions. And this last question, this particular question, it could be about, you know, career stuff. It could be about book authoring. It could be about whatever, software engineering. But I'd love to know one thing, you know, you'd like to leave listeners with regarding, you know, this interview. If you are thinking about doing a book, go and do it. You're going to be happy you did. You are proud of it. Even if you only sell a few hundred copies, that book is sitting on your shelf and you can look back and say, hey, I did that. It's a great sense of accomplishment. People are impressed by it. And so if you're thinking about it, really look into doing it because chances are 30 years from now, you're going to be very glad you did. Good advice. And Mark, how can listeners grab a copy of your book? How can they learn more about you? You can buy it at Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, local bookstores, all the usual places. You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com, and there you can see where to buy it. Get in touch with me, follow me on social media, follow additional content like my blog posts. Go to the app page and download the free companion app from the Apple and iPhone stores, link from the website. Look at the resources page or a whole bunch of other things I did. And you're welcome to use my website as a guide for designing your own. I put a lot of time in thinking about how to create an effective website. So all of this at thecareertoolkitbook.com. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Again, uh, a little bit different angle on this interview, but you brought a ton of wisdom and insight, and I definitely appreciate your time today. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. You've just listened to another insightful episode of the Main Street Author Podcast. If you've been on the fence about writing your own book, there's no better time than now to become a Main Street author. To learn more, visit MainStreetAuthor.com. That's MainStreetAuthor.com. And while you're there, schedule a complimentary strategy session with Mike to discuss your book ideas. See you next time. And remember, you can do this.